Well, good morning, Identity Church. I'm going to go ahead and get us started. Um, I've got a ton of things that I want to preach on, but I also want to go on vacation. I've already sent my, I've already sent my my kids off with my mom and dad and my sister down to Orlando. So we're we're going to take a week to go on vacation. So I'm leaving directly after here. So um, you know. I'm gonna tr- I'm gonna try to pace this to where we're not here for three or four hours. You know, we'll, we're gonna we're gonna try to get through this pretty quickly. But the last few weeks we've been talking on love, the love of God, and and one of the things that I just wanted to bring up before I get into this message is that this is a foundational topic. If you're not thinking, pursuing. Living the love of God every single day, then you're going to miss out. You're going to end up missing out on the promises of God. You're going to end up missing out on on what God has and the purpose for your life. Because the world will come in and will say, God doesn't care about you. But that's not true. As we have talked about in the last few weeks, that the moment Adam and Eve fell, that God said... I will send the seed of the woman to crush the serpent's head. He didn't even stutter. He didn't stop. It was the moment that Adam and Eve said, yeah, we did this. He turned around and gave them a promise. The moment that Cain killed Abel, God came down and talked to Cain and he asked him about his brother and Cain was trying to hide from him just like Adam and Eve tried to hide when they ate of the fruit of the knowledge of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And what did God do? God marked Cain so that no one would kill him. He created a huge city and and had and flourished and had kids. Do you know that God's love for us to help us in our ever present time And our need is so powerful. You know, if you don't spend some time this week, you're going to miss out. You need to spend time every day. You need to spend time every week, every month, every year, just basking in the love of God. Hey, John 3, 16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Okay, so let me ask you a question. The world means people who haven't even accepted Jesus Christ. How much did he love them to send Jesus? People who don't even believe. He sent Jesus Christ, his own son, to the earth to die for them. How much more do you think he loves his kids? Oh, the love of God for his children is amazing. You know, sometimes... Sometimes we, we were having a little bit of a conversation uh, in the foyer, and people go, you know, I, I, I sometimes feel down. You know, the world's system is designed like a, 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 in fact, Brock even said it. He said that it's like one of those weighted blankets, but it's, a, it's an actually submerged, you know, just covered in water, weighted blanket that wants to be thrown on you every single day. You know, I this thing right here called an iPhone, I get, I get bombarded with the world. It, you know, it tells me, like right now, I found out that, you know, 
um, you know, Russia escalates their, their attacks on Ukraine. I mean, if I turned on my phone any second of any minute of any day, I'm going to find out about things that are happening in the world, sometimes good, not very often, but mostly bad. And you know what? The world system is there to throw a blanket over you every single time. But the love of God comes to give you everlasting life. And see, that's why I wanted to, I wanted to exalt you guys this morning. I want you to be built up. Because the love of God is not something that we take lightly. It is foundational. In fact, we're going to find out that love is first. It is foundational. In fact, I'm going to I'm going to get into this because, you know, most people were probably like, "Well, you haven't even brought up 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I thought that was the love chapter." Well, we're going to talk about that one today a little bit. We're going to talk a little bit about that probably in the coming weeks. It is the love chapter. But I want you to understand that when when this was being written, it was in the context of trying to show what was important. You may be going, "Well, isn't love important? Yeah, love is very important. But do you know 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it talks about our gifts. It talks about the, the embodiment of what God is putting on the inside of each and every one of us. It's talking about the power of God that has been put into each and every believer and what those gifts are in the body. But people like the Corinthian church, they love the gifts. They thought that was the most important. So that's why 1 Corinthians chapter 13 was actually written. Because it was to show that love went beyond that. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it actually says in verses like 1 and 2, it says that if you have only the gifts, that you become like a, a banging gong and a tinkling cymbal. How many people, if I just, if, if I walked around here and just went, is that, does that sound good to y'all? Would y'all sit around and listen to that all day long? No. Do you know that if I don't put love on everything that I do, not only in my family, not only in my job, not only in the body of Christ, when I'm talking to people, when I'm praying with people, when I'm ministering to people, if I don't put love on it, it doesn't matter how powerful you think you are. Because people are just going to go, I ain't listening to that. They will reject the gospel of Jesus Christ because you didn't put the love of God first. So, that's why 1 Corinthians chapter 13 was written, was to say, hey, those things are good. Those things are important, but you got to get this first. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 14 as we discussed when I was talking in the Holy Ghost series that I did, that 1 Corinthians chapter 14 is how and why of the power gifts in the Holy Spirit. Why we go and pray for people. Why we speak in tongues. Why we do the things that we do. See, what I want you to understand is, is, that, is that our true, you know, I came out of a, uh, the Word of Faith churches. that we, we There was a bunch of churches that... You know, Kent Hagen and you all probably heard, uh, you know, um, I can't even think of some of the people now. But, you know, you've got Jesse Duplantis and all these other people that are out there. And it's, it's good. But 
what I want you to understand is, is that in the word of faith circles that we were in, you know, I, faith became the, the forefront of every single thing that you did. Sometimes I would find out that people would say, well, you know, you were saved by faith. And they would leave out the grace part of it. You know, I can't believe my way out of everything. Oh, man, that, I felt like there was a brick wall. I can't believe my way out of everything because I don't have enough power in myself to be able to do the things that God has for me to do. I have to have the grace of God, the, the gifts of God that are working in me and working in you in order to be able to overcome, and I need to believe in those gifts. See, I can't just confess my way in and I can't just faith my way in. I have to use the whole embodiment of the love of God, the gifts of God. I need every piece of God that I can possibly get. I can't just sit there and say, well, I just believe. You know, the devils believe and they tremble. But they have no grace. They don't have the gifts of God that are manifesting in the earth to be able to do anything about it. That's why they're constantly trying to get us to do it for them. I want you to understand this, guys, because if you walk away from this today and don't realize that God loved us so much that he gave us the power and the authority to be able to tread upon serpents and demons, he didn't give the angels those powers. I'm not going to turn there, but I'm going to tell you, Daniel went and prayed. And he prayed for 10 days. Lord, show me. Give, me. give me some sort of an understanding of what I'm supposed to do. Every day he prayed. Every day he prayed. Every day he prayed. And by the end of that 10 days, Daniel was sitting there and the angel of the Lord came to him. And he said, I would have been here sooner, but I had to contend with the prince of Syria. Well, the prince of Syria wasn't... A, wasn't you know, a lot of people go, oh, the prince of Syria, he must have been this big demon. No, no, no. The prince of Syria was a, was a demon-possessed man in Syria that had his authority in the earth. Oh, man, I, I feel like I'm about to go down a path where I'll have to just teach on this for most of this time. But what I want you to understand is, is that your power and your authority in the way you use your words of the words you believe or how we get to the place of freedom. Because God's word and his answer is on the other side of our authority. Do you know that because we speak his word, his word comes to pass. In fact, I'm going to get into this. Because if not, I'll end up just teaching on authority all day long. But in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, it says, now, now abideth faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. So this, this verse right here has to do with a building block system. It's, it's like if I built this, this building we're standing in, I would create a foundation. I would pour the pad. I would put up the steel girders. Then... 
I would start putting up the walls and the roof. But see, there is a system that has to go first. I don't go and put the roof on before we get the foundation laid, right? I mean, how many people think that's a good idea? Anybody? Do you know that after, after a little bit of time, we figured this out, and God already had it figured out, that foundationally certain things have to be built first before you can have other things. So essentially what this is saying is this word faith is the word pistis, and it means to believe or to trust. This word hope is ellipsis, and it means to have confidence. Have you ever had confidence in something? Unshakable confidence? I got news for you. You're all sitting in chairs right now. You're not sitting there going, oh, I thought it was going to break. Oh, I thought it was going to break. Y'all have a pretty big confidence that your chair is going to hold you up. Right now, some of y'all are leaning back pretty good in them. Do you know that, that confidence comes because of love? And what we're going to find out here is that the true unconditional love of God the chosen love of God that is in our lives is given to us so that we will understand how to have confidence and then trust. And that's what faith is. The, that's the building blocks of faith is love, hope, and then faith. You have to know something about your foundation. You have to know that your foundation is firm. And understanding that something like God is loving you, man, the, the person that created the universe loves you so very much. Do you know that once you get a hold of that, the confidence, man, I got confidence now. And you know what? I've got faith. My faith gets built up. In fact, I've got it down here. Unconditional love builds confidence and confidence builds trust. It happens, it happens naturally. It happens supernaturally. God doesn't create laws that are opposite world, right? God actually creates things that flow together. You know, you go find somebody out here that believes in evolution. Well, they've never seen a monkey turn into a human being. How many people have seen that, by the way? Can I get any hands? Have you ever seen one species of things turn into another species of things? No. But there are people who will actually stake their reputation that that's truth. They have, they have listened to man's word so much that they have confidence in it. And they have built a trust in it. And if you stand against that, it's like, well, you just don't understand science. Well, I got news for you. They don't understand science either because science does not mean that I just believe stuff that has never happened. A theory is a theory. It'd be like if I gave you a theory today that I said, hey, the theory that I have today is because we have musical equipment up here is that, you know, is that Reba can go over here and play the piano for us. Well, I've never seen Reba play the piano. Well, I've got a microphone up here. Well, I've seen her sing. Well, I have pretty good confidence that she can sing. But can you play the piano? Very little. 
Do you know that just because something exists in one area doesn't mean it exists in all areas? That's a fallacy. And what we have to understand is, is that God's love builds a foundation where we don't live just on fallacies. We don't just live on a theory that love is, oh, God loves us. Well, you know what? If you continually put God's love into your heart, if you continue to meditate on God's love, you start getting a confidence in God's love. Maybe God does have a plan for me. How many people, how many people in here believe that God has a plan for them? Everybody's got your hand up. Thank God I was about to start preaching in a different direction. God has a plan for us, but you won't follow a plan that you don't trust. Is that true? I'm just going to tell you. God can have a plan for your life, and there's plenty of people on this earth that God has a plan for. Guess how many? All seven and a half billion of us. He's got a plan for every single person. Do you know how many people are following their plan? A fraction of that. Because they don't trust it. They don't know God loves them. Some people believe that God is out there and he's angry at them. Some people don't believe in God. Some people believe in thousands of gods. But do you, know, do you understand that, that if I'm just waiting around for God to come do something for me, then that means I don't trust his plan. That means that when I'm communing with God and, and I know that he loves me, almost like a father. You know, when I was a kid, there would be a fire. In fact, I actually had a, a steel tub when I was a, a, a kid, that a 55-gallon drum that we were putting, uh, we were roasting marshmallows over, had fire in it. And we built it directly on the concrete. I was like three, four years old. Well, you know what happens when you build a really intensely heated fire on concrete? It explodes. Boom. And I'm standing five feet from it. Now, it didn't hurt me, but it blew a chunk out of the middle. And so what I want you to understand is, is that, is that and it, just because you think, hey, I understand foundationally what God has for my life. We put a plan together. We, we built this fire directly on the concrete. Was it a good thing? Absolutely not. But see, when I'm communing with people who actually know what they're supposed to be doing, they go, hey, put some cinder blocks up under that thing. So from now on, we put cinder blocks up under it. You know, that's the beauty of communing with your father is that you know he loves you and that because when he tells you to do something, you then trust his word even though you don't understand it. See, confidence, the hope of God is something that is so precious and that we need to understand that out of love, hope bubbles up and rises up. And then faith goes into action. In fact, Romans 10, 17, it says, So then faith, this trust and belief, comes by hearing. And this word hearing is echo, And it actually means a report or a testament in hearing by the word of God. So essentially, 
I have to have something testify to me. How many people know that the Bible is called what? The New Testament. So I get it through my word. If I, if I pick up my Bible and I open up my Bible and I'm reading it, then I'm having a testimony that is being preached into my heart. But also, I can come together as a body of believers like you are out here, and I can hear a message where things are being pulled together and God has been speaking. And then all of a sudden, your spirit goes, oh, yeah, that, that's starting to line up with what's on the inside of me as well. And see, faith comes by hearing. You know, I never even read, you know, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens me. Do you know that there was a pastor named Jim McCann III, he, he said it from the pulpit in passing. You can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens you. Do you know I had ADD and dyslexia? It changed me. It revolutionized me based upon something that somebody said. Because he testified that it was truth. So I started going, well, i got to check into that. How many, people, how many people have went and bought something based on a testimony of somebody? Everybody does. In fact, I don't go and spend money most of the time unless I've asked a bunch of questions, went out to Google, I've reviewed it, I've, I've went through, I mean, just everything in the world to try to figure out how many one stars versus how many five stars? You know, I'll beat myself up before I go and buy something, especially if it's pretty big, going, how many five stars did that thing have? Let me go read all the one stars and see if they're just angry. Oh, well, that was a shipping problem. Oh, that was a this problem. Do you know that to testify to something, when I go and read the five stars, and they're like, hey, you pulled it out of the package and it just, it worked. You know, that's what happened when Jim McCann III said that. It, it was like he pulled it out of the package that was on the inside of me, and he said, it just works. The five-star rating popped up in my spirit and said, the Holy Spirit said, that is truth. You know that when we testify to these things, when we see that God has, has created something in us, then you know what? It starts building our faith. It starts expanding our faith. Do you know that one of the things that I want you to understand is, is that we all have faith. We are not faithless. And I'll prove it to you. How many people want me to prove it to them this morning? I don't care if you do or not. I'm going to do it anyway. All right. Romans 12, 2 and 3, if you're reading along with me, it says... And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is a good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I could preach on that for three or four weeks right there, and I have before. Do you know that, that when we renew our mind, that we essentially start proving? That, that word is very interesting right there. Because it's not I'm proving it to, to you. Because the word of God, for me, is not for you. It's proving it to me. Inside of me, it starts building. And, and you may not see anything happening for, for a little while. And then all of a sudden, it's like, man, Dusty's overcoming like I've never seen in my life. Do you know that it starts proving it? See, I can go put the word in six months ago and now it's starting to produce fruit and I'm out here 
And people are like, man, what just happened to Dusty? It was something I planted six months ago. It had nothing to do with what I did today. Do you know that that's the beauty of this is that it's a progressive thing that creates fruit. You just don't go put a seed in the ground and then all of a sudden one fruit pops up. You're like, I ate that fruit. You know, the teach a man to fish to fish and he'll eat for a lifetime. Well, that's great. But I have to go fishing every single day. Do you know that when I go and I plant seeds, I can live off of that fruit for the rest of my life. Do you know that Philippians 4.13, I still live off of that fruit. I went from ADD and dyslexia to 11 years later. You may be going 11 years, that's a long time. But I went from GED, because I didn't graduate high school, I went from GED to a master's degree in computer engineering from the University of Alabama, Birmingham. I got the diploma and everything to prove it, guys. But I planted a seed 12, 13 years before, and then all of a sudden it pops up and people go, well, you just must be smart. You must, that must have been, you must have made a lot of good grades. And I was like, no, I was as dumb as a rock. I couldn't read. You would tell me to read, like I just read this off the, I, I couldn't tell you what I read. I absolutely couldn't do it. But do you know that the word of God came and completely renovated me? And you know what's so funny about it is some of the things that I had with ADD and dyslexia, they actually start working for me. Like Romans, uh, Romans uh, 8.28 where it says that he will work all things to the good of those who love him. It means that he takes something that was bad and he turns it into good. Because now, because I sometimes go squirrel, I will squirrel in the word. I will be sitting there and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit will hit me with something and I'll go study a word for, I, I'm studying the whole Bible for this word. I'm trying to find it. I've got my strongs. I've got all these other things. And it was because I read one part of one scripture and it took me an hour and a half to go find out where all those words were being used and whether or not those particular words had the meaning that I thought that it had. Some people may go, that would drive me crazy. Well, that's who I am. That's how I work. But do you know that Romans 8, 28 is alive in me? That he has used all of those bad things. He's turned them to good. Do you know that, well, I'm, I, like I said, I could preach on this one thing for, forever. So I'm going to move back to love, okay? But what I want you to understand is that we prove his good and acceptable word in us it grows and and over time it starts being seen because people start eating from your fruit you know it was 20 years and then now y'all are eating from my fruit y'all get to hear me up here rambling around talking about the thing that was planted in my heart back in 1996 well guess what that was a seed that was planted a long long time ago and now i'm able to give that fruit to all the people who want it amen Verse 3 here in Romans chapter 12. So I'm going to get back to this. For I say, through the grace given unto me. Oh, there's that word grace. That greasy, greasy granny grace. How many people, how many people understand that grace is the gift of God unto repentance? The gift of God is grace. I can't have faith until I got grace. 
Because I can't be given something unless I've got grace. So I want you to understand that through grace, it's given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think more highly of themselves than they ought to, but think soberly as God has dealt to everyone a measure of faith. Jesus actually talked about it like a grain of mustard seed, that you could have a grain of mustard seed and that you could throw a mountain into the sea. Man, something that small? Yeah, but I can have an ounce of doubt and unbelief that nullifies because it stops me from using my faith. Now, I'm going to go back for just a second here because I don't want you guys to think more highly of yourself than you ought. How many people are puffed up this morning? How many people got my chest I'm full of grace and faith? Well, guess what? This word right here has to do with that, but it also has to do with I don't have any faith at all. God, you just, you just didn't do anything for me. You didn't give me any grace. You didn't do anything for me. See, this word, this word highly means to... to to be different to where you're exalting yourself above your situation, above what God says about you. So I can actually do this two different ways. I can think, man, I'm full of faith. I've got more faith than everybody in here. That's one way I can do it. And then the other is I can say, you know what, God, you haven't given me the grace. You haven't given me my measure of faith. I met, I, I mean, maybe you guys are completely avoid of that, but I met people in my life talking with them and they go, I just don't have any faith. And you're going, really? Are you born again? And they're like, yeah, yeah, I'm born again. And I was like, well, let me give you some scripture because I want you to make sure that you understand because I take them to Romans 12, 2 and 3, and then I take them over to Galatians 5 because Galatians 5 gives us a lot more understanding okay because Galatians 5 says but the fruit of the spirit and like I said before I got the fruit which is grace the fruit of the spirit so that was something that was given to us so the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace long suffering kindness goodness faith it's the same word I didn't change it on you, believe me. When I squirreled on this a while back and I was looking in my Strong's Concordance for this, this word pistis, it came up. And I was like, well, it's the same word, Lord. Does it have the same meaning? And he goes, what did it say? See, we were given the measure of faith. But guess what? Among other things, we were given joy Love, peace, long-suffering, kindness, gentleness. There's nothing in this statement right here that says, well, I had to go find it or, or I had to go work for it or I had to go get it in some way that was outside of it. It was, no, the fruit of the Spirit, if you have the Spirit of God, how many people's gotten saved in here? Hallelujah. I should have hands going up everywhere. If not, we're going to get you saved right now because I'm going to tell you that this was given to you in 2 Corinthians 5.17. That when you became a new creature in Christ Jesus, that he dumped all this stuff into your spirit. It was like, I, I, I dumped 
all I dumped a measure of faith. I dumped some. I dumped love in there. I dumped goodness, meekness, kindness, gentleness. All of it. I dumped it in there. Hey, how about this one? Self-control. Oh, sometimes I feel void of self-control. That's where I, I think of myself as thinking of myself more highly than I ought. Where I'm like, Lord, you didn't give me any self-control. I went to the Chinese buffet. You remember Mr. Wang's, don't you, Brock? We'd go to the, we would shut that place down. <laughs> self-control was not something that I had when I went to Mr. Wang's. But I will tell you this. It's in there. God himself, through the Holy Spirit, put it in there. And see, what I want you to understand is that if love is in you, and it's something that was given to you, it's the first thing, then it was foundational. The moment that I understand that God loved me so much, then guess what? I now have that as a part of my repertoire. I get, to, I get to go back and meditate on God's love for me. I don't have, to, I don't have to, to sit around and go, does God love me? You know, I've also heard people say that too. Does God love me? Let me take you to these scriptures. You know, I thought it was so awesome. Tim Tebow, when they played Alabama, they beat them in 2008. He wore John 3.16. Do you know that it was the most that during that time, it was, and it still to this day, is the most Googled scripture verse. What is John 3.16? Do you know that I, I, I'm amazed by it? You know, when about, I think it was like six years later, he's playing in a playoff game. And all these people were going nuts. The statisticians were going nuts because they won the playoff game. But all of his stats in every category had 316 in it. And they went and they found him and they said, can you believe this happened? And he goes, can you believe what happened? And he goes, he goes, 316's in everything you did tonight. And he's like, I have no flipping clue what you're talking about. And a guy had to sit him down and talk to him. And they actually had a press conference and talked to him about it. And he said, I'm just amazed at what God does. But do you know that it became once again because of that game, because they mentioned it on that playoff game, it became the number one most Googled. You know, God's love. Is trying to find a way into everybody's hearts. He loved the world. How much more does he love us? So let's talk a little bit about our foundation. I've got a, I've got like a, a nice little, you know, showing how a house settles. And if it settles straight down, you're good. If it settles to the side, you become like the Leaning Tower of Pisa. If it settles one corner off, then it cracks and pretty much half your house falls off. But our foundation of love basically gives us the ability to, in all areas of our life, equally across our foundation, it allows us to be in the right place, the right time. We don't have an unsettled foundation whatsoever. 
In fact, in Ephesians 1, 3 through 6, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Here we go. We're going back to, those, to all of those things in Galatians chapter 5 that has been given to us. And it says, In heavenly places in Christ Jesus, in verse 4, it says, Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation... This word foundation here means a founding, a conceiving for. It means that, that God had to create a foundational purpose. He had to create a foundational entity. And it says, for of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Having predestination, oh, predestination, oh, I'm, I'm about to get into a predestination. How many people, oh, God, I, predestination? Yes, I believe in predestination. I believe exactly what this scripture says. Having predestined us to adopt us as sons by Jesus Christ to himself. Everybody on the planet was predestined to accept Jesus Christ. I don't believe that certain people are predestined to go to heaven and certain people are predestined to go to hell. That's a bunch of bull. I'm hoping I just didn't cuss because I was that right there makes me angry when somebody goes, well, you know, some people are predestined to go to hell. How, how do I not hit this guy in the mouth? Because you're basically saying that you don't even have to believe in Jesus. You don't even have to accept the love of God because, well, if you're going to go, you're going to go. And if you don't, then you don't. Well, that's, that goes against the word of God. And there's people that are teaching that junk to people every single day. Lots of the denominational churches even around here. And it's just, it's wrong. And it's a, it's a lie from the pit of hell. And it needs to be countered. And I'm doing it right now. In verse 6 it says, To the praise and glory of His grace by which He made us acceptable in the Beloved. How did He make us acceptable? Well, it tells us through Jesus Christ, becoming sons and daughters to God through Him. It's foundational. You know, my last name's Cornelius. My, my dad and mom, you know, they go to this church. I've even said this before, and I did. I can walk into their house. I can go get stuff out of their house. I can do it. The police doesn't get called. Why? Because I'm a part of his family. I can go eat out of his refrigerator. I've been doing it for the last 45 years of my life. This is a, this is a part of being in the family adopted that God himself opened up his gates to you. You can boldly go into the throne room of God. He's not calling angels, hey, come, come kick that one out. No, if you've accepted Jesus Christ, you have the foundational love of God that's on the inside of you. You have all the gifts, and he is opening up his doors so that it comes to you through Jesus Christ. So what is the foundation? God chose us to be in his family and created us for... created. I'm sorry, God chose to make us his, us his family before he created one physical single thing. Now, I want to explain this just for a second. This scripture right here talks about before the foundations of the earth. So when God, God didn't decide to make the universe 
God decided to make us. And then he went through the plan to decide how do we do this. See, he didn't, he, we weren't an afterthought. God loved us before the foundation of the earth. It means there was nothing. And then he, he said, you know what? I want Brock and, you know, Vicky and I want Betty. And, and he just started thinking about all of us. The, the absolute trillions of people who have been born. He was like, I love every single one of them. And they have already been created. So what do I need to do? I got I to gotta create some, some foundations. I got to create the universe. I got to create stars. I've got to create uh, planets. I've got to create water. I've got to create, 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 create. And he did. He went to work. You know, if he had decided that he wanted to create us, like, you know, on day three, when he was still, like, creating the, the oceans and everything else, he would have created the oceans, and then it would have been like, hey, Adam and Eve, y'all just need to, like, float around out there until I finally get, you know, get everything else set up for you. No, no, no. We were created last. So if you go back and read Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3, you start finding out that God made the best for last. And it was us that he created all of this for. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. You can say that to some people, and they'll be like, that's blasphemy. It's blasphemy. God created all this for himself. Well, why did he need to create any of it? I mean, I got news for you. I, we don't see spiritual things. This doesn't, all of this around us doesn't create any comfort for God. What created comfort for God? Communing with us. He wanted somebody to love and for them to love him. Because he could create more angels. Angels are out here. They're doing their thing. But they didn't have any will. But see, he created us in his own likeness and image so that we could be adopted through Jesus Christ. So God decided to make all of this for you and for me. And that was how much he loved us. God settled on you. Now, I, I want you to understand that God's, God's ability to settle on us had to do with making us stable. He didn't make us unstable. How many people felt unstable in your life? Like, oh, I just don't have it together. I mean, I, I do. Everybody does. But see, every time that I see that, every time that I have that happen in me, Guess what? It has to do with my feelings. It has to do with me not knowing who I am and my love for that God loves me. That's what makes me unstable in my life. Matthew 7, 26 and 27 says, But to everyone who hears these words and sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who builds his house on sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the wind blew and beat that house, and it fell. And great was the fall. You know, I have two pictures here. I have a picture of a horse that's on a beach, and he's marred all the way up to his belly. So all four legs are down in the sand. Do you know that, that if you put a horse on a beach that is wet, you have to keep him moving? Why? 
big old horse, little bitty feet. And what happens when little bitty feet with a lot of weight on top of them, they just start sinking. And eventually it's like quicksand. They get marred up and they can't move and they'll die on that beach. And see, that's the problem with an unsettled foundation. In fact, an unsettled foundation is something that we have, we, we have not decided. You know, if I, if I need to make a choice, and I've got one in between me, so I've got, I've got a choice over here on the right, and I've got a choice over here on the left, but I can't make a decision, and I just sit there and, hmm. Well, if I'm a horse, and I'm not moving, what happens to me? I sink. See, our foundation will sink and we'll never move if we don't decide that we are loved. See, God's love for us is for us to say, I'm putting all that other stuff behind me and I'm going to keep moving. See, a settled, evenly distributed foundation is like this guy that's on the nail bed. He's laying there. His whole body is evenly distributed across all those nails. You know, I've actually done this. We went to a fair, and I laid on one of these things, and I thought, I mean, everybody was like, oh, this is going to hurt, it's going to hurt, it's going to hurt. Well, the guy said, you don't have to take your shirt off, nothing, just lay down on it. So I did. I laid down on it, and really didn't feel like anything. I mean, I could feel, it felt a little bit like having a little bitty, you know, just as if I had a little bitty, um, you ever been on one of those rubber mats on your feet and they got little knobbies on it? That's the way it kind of felt to me. You know that when your weight is evenly distributed across everything, then your foundation is keeping you level. The nails aren't going through your back. Now, if I put one nail and I laid on that sucker, what would happen? It would go through me. I'd get, I'd get pierced. But see, this is the thing, is that love and the support of a good, evenly distributed foundation, then it's like that house that was built on the rock. And that rock is Jesus. But if I put my trust in other things other than Jesus, it's like this horse. It's like, I'm not really sure what to do. I'm sort of stuck in one spot. Well, you'll always be stuck in that spot until you have a firm foundation, until you have a settled foundation. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end with this, this one point right here. Now this may be, this may be news to some of you guys. This, this may, you know, you guys may have never heard this before. But what I want you to understand is, is that we too often live the life that we live because we ourselves don't have an understanding or we don't, we don't live the, the life of God because we don't have that understanding. In fact, Jesus' commandments are very, very hard for people who, who don't do them properly. Luke 10, 27, in fact, he said this in every single one of the Gospels. He said, and he was answering his disciples, and he said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, and with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and thy neighbor is thyself. This is the, the commandments that Jesus said, hey, I'm, I'm condensing all the commandments down into these two. And you may be saying, oh, that's very easy. No, it's not. 
It's very, very hard to love on God if you don't feel loved. In fact, how many people quit reading their Bible, quit going to church, quit doing stuff when you've had a big mishap in your life? I have. I've, I've said, you know what, I'm just not going to read my Bible because I, I, I got convicted because I did something wrong. You know that a lot of times when we're looking at this, we, have, we don't have the understanding of what God's love for us is. You know, it's the goodness of God that causes us to repent, just like Romans 2, 4 said. If it's the goodness of God that causes us to repent, we should be running to Him when something happens. You know that most of the time we need to love our neighbor as ourselves, but most of the time we don't even love ourselves. See, what I'm trying to get to you is is that if you don't properly understand the love of God for yourself, you will not have the love of God ever present in your mind. And if you don't have it ever present in your mind, you won't love others like you love yourself because you're not even loving yourself. Maybe that was too deep. Maybe I didn't hit all the points there, so I'm going to say it again. Okay? If any point in time you say, you know what, I just, I just not, I just don't feel like I'm loved, watch out. Because at that point, you'll start finding all the faults with your life. You'll start saying, well, maybe I'm not called. Maybe God doesn't have a plan. Maybe I am not supposed to be where I'm at. Maybe I'm not supposed to be able to minister to people. And what will happen is you'll go for a long period of time and I've been there where I knew God loved me and then I forgot that God loved me and then it took me a long time to get out of my funk, out of my rut. I can come up with probably another thousand of them but I had to get back to where God was loving on me. And you're saying, well, that's, that sounds easy. Oh, it is absolutely easy to let God love you because he never stopped. God never stopped. It was our ability to tune in to him and say, God, I know you love me. Your word says it. The Holy Spirit says it. You know, if you allow that to happen over time, you start tuning the Holy Spirit out. You know, now I can sit there and I can go, God, am I really supposed to be doing this? Do you really want me to do these things? Do you? And the Holy Spirit will reaffirm in me Almost instantly. He'll bring a scripture up to me. He'll, he'll do whatever. But if I go a long period of time and I start becoming spiritually deaf, then I start tuning him out. And then God seems far from me. And what happens when somebody's far from you? You start reducing your relationship. I mean, there's people I used to work with. There's people I used to go to church with that I hardly ever talk to anymore. And it's because we don't fellowship anymore. And love without fellowship starts to wane. But see, what I want you to understand here is that God gave us everything that we have in him for a purpose. In fact, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. 
That means God gave us something. He gave us the power, love, and a sound mind, but he didn't give us fear. See, fear comes in different ways. Fear comes because we have a lack of love. In fact, in 1 uh, John chapter 4, I think it's verse 17 and 18, it actually says that we overcome fear by love. We have to understand that God's love is given to us to have power to live. Do you know that when you have power to live, it means that you are energized. I mean, how many people got out of bed this morning and said, oh, I don't feel like living? I have. I've got, not this morning, but I've gotten out of bed and said, hey, I don't feel good this morning. And you were like, hey, I just want to stay in bed. You didn't feel energized. You didn't feel that you had that spark. Well, you know what? The love of God, every single morning that I'm staying in his love, that I am, I'm staying just filled up in my mind, that I'm renewing my mind, I get up with a new sense of this is what I'm supposed to do today. God has a purpose for me. He has a life for me that is outside of just my bed. He has a life for me that is outside of just the purpose that I could come up with for myself. You know that God loves you so much that he wants his purpose to be in your heart, in your mind. And see, if we don't have God's love giving us confidence, then our confidence will not give us trust. Amen. Did y'all learn something this morning? Amen. I just want you to be built up this week. In fact, I want you to, I want you, I'm going to give you homework. I, sometimes I give y'all homework. I want to give you homework this week. I want you to spend at least, at least 15 minutes every single day just thinking about how much God loves you. Find the scriptures. Find these scriptures. Find John, John 3, 16. It's a great one to just say, hey, God loved the world so much. How much more does he love me? You go to 1 John chapter 4, read it. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, read it. Because that's how much God loves you. He has kindness and he has meekness and he has, he has all the contentment and peace with you. In fact, I love during, during Christmas, you know, the, when Jesus was born, the band of angels showed up and was, and was not in front of kings, but in front of all of these like sheep herders. And it says, glory to God in the highest goodwill and peace towards men and you think oh and we even created songs you know glory in the highest you know well that's great and all but there was actually a meaning behind that god said hey there's no more war i'm not coming after you in fact i'm for you and he went to the common man in order to tell this story he didn't go to the kings or to the governments. He didn't go to anybody else. There was just some sheep and some herders out there. The shepherds were standing in the field and a legion of angels, warriors, come out there and waved the white flag and said, hey, God's for you all the time. He's not against you anymore. That, that energizes the heck out of me. I don't know about y'all, but, 
But the love of God was so much that he said, I want to come to the common man, not somebody that had any influence, not somebody that had anything that was, that was powerful in this world, but came to the common man and says, I am not coming after you anymore. In fact, I'm for you. I'm trying to find a way to love on you. That's how much he loved us. Amen? Amen. Well, if everybody would bow your heads, I just want to pray a blessing over you, and then I'm going to release you to go for the day. Father, we come to you in Christ Jesus' name. I just thank you, Father, for all of the goodness and the mercy and the love that you have towards us. I thank you, Father, that you are just revealing that in each and every one of our hearts. I thank you, Father, that we're going to be so just just so filled up this week. I thank you, dear Lord, that each and every one of us is just going to take the time to allow love to just seep in to our minds and into our hearts, Father. And that we're going to be revolutionarily just, just changed and transformed by your love. And I thank you, Father, that that love is going to just grow in each and every one of us and that it's going to spill out. And then we can actually... We can actually keep your commandments. We can love you and we can love our neighbors ourselves and that it will be a true love, not just a selfish love, but it will be the love of God that we have on the inside of us for our fellow man. And Father, I just pray in Jesus' name that if there's, any, if there's anything in anybody's body, if they're sick this week, I pray in Jesus' name that you're just showing them what those things are excuse me, and showing them uh, who to actually go and agree with. And I just pray that those sicknesses, those, those things that are going on in their life, I pray, Father, in Jesus' name, that you are just giving them the answers and that you're giving them the victory. And we just thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You're dismissed.